2: Brown Baby, Brown Baby, I am Brown Baby, I am Brown Baby, I am Brown Baby, I am Brown Baby, I am, baby, I, am, I am. Welcome to the Brown Baby podcast. I'm your host Nick Schuckler. I'm the author of the memoir Brown Baby, a memoir of race, family and home. Brown Baby podcast is a parenting podcast that asks the question How do we raise our kids to be joyful in a bleak world that we're so sad and angry about Through these conversations we can navigate tricky issues that we need to think about with our kids Like racism, sexism, climate change, mental health and more This is season 1 episode 16 of the podcast Josie Long and rom-com starring Christian Bale It's the season finale We've had 16 ace episodes of parenting chat with some brilliant writers, musicians, chefs, comedians and more I set out to do this podcast as a way of carrying on the conversations I started in my memoir. So along the way, I have talked to Nadia Hussein about the power of food and family. Max Porter about checking your ego as a parent. Mira Sayal about legacy and racism. Himesh Patel about the weird period of new dadness. Courtey Newland, Kelechi Okafor, Derek A. Baderwell... Emmy the Great, Anushka Shankar, so many brilliant guests along the way. And the response has been phenomenal. I've been inundated with messages from people thankful for me making space for people to have these conversations. As a writer, I found myself working on things that don't yet exist that I would have really benefited from at a specific time in my life. In the hope that I'll catch those who need this space being made now. So thank you for all your love. So this final episode of season one is a rambling one with a very dear, dear friend. It's Josie Long, a stand-up comedian, writer and activist. Her last Edinburgh show was Tender, which is amazing. Uh, You can find a stand-up of hers on Amazon Prime. And she's on Instagram and Twitter as, as Josie Long. She is just one of the best people I know. She is Uh, such a brilliant good-hearted person who has changed my life for the better and this conversation is representative of our friendship i work my way through some difficult thoughts and josie replies with positivity wisdom jokes and sense i love talking to her and this is tantamount to a phone chat between us we talk about climate change getting angry on the internet at the bleakness of the world why christian bell has never been in a rom-com and the marketplace of ideas but before we get to the podcast look it's free okay and we will be back for season two more of that at the end but because this is free and I book the guests edit record promote it all by myself I'd love some support either you can support by heading to my bookshop.org affiliate link in the show notes and buying my memoir brown baby or one of the books from one of the other previous guests or just any bookshop that is where you get your books. Uh, you know, if it's more convenient for you to go to your local independent bookshop or to a chain like Woodstones or Foils, then go there um, or to another website of your choice. It's not for me to judge, but please do buy my book and support the books of the previous guests. Or you can chuck me some money through the a cast supporter feature or you can just shout about the podcast on the internet. Look, I know these sorts of presenter pleas are always in every single podcast, but you know, reading uh, releasing a book in a pandemic is hard and now that the bookshops are all are open, I really want to sell copies of the memoir. So please head to wherever you get your books and buy that book. Okay. Josie Long, season finale of the Brown Baby podcast season one let's go but welcome to the show Josie Long
3: hello it's so nice to be here uh this
2: oh. is this is very strange doing a like a recorded conversation of a com- of a chat we'd probably just have anyway
3: yeah and also I've just heard through the window my partner Johnny has decided to start playing the guitar which oh. is completely unhelpful so
2: he's, he's, he's got an
3: a zoom gig
2: he's trying to muscle in on that prs on on, on our podcast um yeah uh, welcome to the brown baby podcast dangerously because we're pals i have done no preparation
3: for this oh, I, I i would feel insulted if you had if you were like um so in 2014 you know
2: i'd be like no <laughs> no mate. Yeah. yeah your your second edinburgh show uh uh mentioned a baby was this a foreshadowing of uh your yeah no um <laughs>
3: I have my copy as well, which I, 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 are you using the video of this or just the audio? No, just
2: the audio, just the Oh, audio. thank
3: God. Uh, because you know what? <laughs> I, I did a podcast the other week and they literally halfway through, I was like, oh, you're putting this video out and I am not wearing any, any suitable <laughs> Anything, items of clothing. <laughs> 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 that, that's my new podcast self, just hey, louche.
2: What what I love about this is well I do we do need to record a little bit video bit at the end and the decision about whether you will continue to be wearing your daughter's headphones will be an interesting one. I just
3: I'm wearing her bubble hat now. <laughs> I'll make it better. I'll get one of her tiny horses.
2: <laughs> so I I wanted to chat to you I guess weirdly because I and the reason I did no prep is because you ended up being a character in this memoir and by character in a memoir that's already a weird thing to say because you're a real person <laughs> in a real person's book about their real life um but yeah I,
3: well i was both uh, sorry no no excited.
2: go on. go
3: on well i was both like so flattered and so excited and also i feel like it's a, a moment in the book where uh, like i just come across like a real dick like you're really nervous and about to go on stage and i'm just like Hi, I just need to distract you at a really key time in something really important. I'm just going (laughs) to drop a really heavy bomb on you now. Okay, bye, mate. I'm like, this prick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There was definitely, like, if anyone had seen me on stage at that time, there would have been that slow close up and, like, Hello, Darkness, my old friend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is brutal. I, I don't think, I definitely did not appreciate what I was kind of no, I think I did, but not enough. Like you know, when you send when one sends a message, that's like, oh, this is some really heavy stuff, and then at the very end, I think I put like, sorry, this is this bit probably a bit heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here is some heavy shit. Oh no,
2: I need to undercut it. Actually, um, d- don't no no need to deal with this now. It's not an emergency.
3: <laughs> no worries if not. Just, I mean, yeah, we. I think I've definitely sought your advice as. Because you are a parent of two daughters and you've been in the parenting game longer than me. So I do look up to you and your wife a lot. Like we, um, when we went to a cottage uh, for New Year's and I remember your wife, there was like half hour before bedtime. And obviously when you're like away, there's not the toys and books and resources of normal house. And she was like, right, what am I going to do? She got a cookbook and she was like, who wants to look at some pictures of delicious food? And I was like, (laughs) in awe of her. I was like, this, this is the parenting I dream of. (laughs) Like, just I was just so amazed of like the ingenuity of it. The reason I kind
2: of put that anecdote in the book is because I guess both of us have those types of lives where you have a really deep and meaningful conversation about five seconds before you then have to go and stand in front of lots of people and like present yourself as something else. But also, I I also feel like we probably have the same sorts of response mechanisms to to things that we both find overwhelming, right? And, you know, so much of the book and so much of this podcast is me trying to, like, work out how to raise my kids with joy in bleak times. I know that Mm -hmm. Biden is president-elect, but that hasn't fixed the whole fucking world, you know? (laughs) Like,
3: yeah, And uh, also, like, we were very much rooting against Trump it's not like we were desperate for what yeah. Biden was offering, yeah. you know. It's not like we're like, well, thank God he's got all the guys from Uber and Amazon on the case; so we'll all be fine, you know. Like- yeah, uh,
2: the world seems so much brighter. People, people were tweeting the next day, and I just thought, oh God, yeah, we're gonna have to have to have a difficult conversation about these people's politics. But anyway, this isn't a political podcast. <laughs> I, I guess that, sure. yeah, the the um, I think we both kind of have that that response mechanism when we get overwhelmed with like stuff that feels bigger than us like I certainly I panic and I reach for the people who I don't necessarily want them to come back with a solution I want them to come back and go yeah I know it's fucked up isn't it
3: to understand and and to know that people you trust also get it I yeah think that's
2: important. Have you random reference but have you, have you ever seen the film White Men Can't Jump?
3: Yes, a long time ago though. But there's, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's a there's a scene in it that has just stayed with me for for years when Rosie Perez and Woody Housen are lying in bed and she goes, "I'm thirsty." So he goes and gets her a glass of water in that classic way that men need to fix women's problems. And she's like I didn't want you to get me a glass of water. And he was like, but you said you're thirsty. And she's like, no, I wanted you to empathise with me. I wanted you to understand <laughs> my, me and say, I feel your thirst. And, I was, and I, I was watching that going, yeah, I get you, Rosie Perez. Like, this is... this and is it,
3: a- What I want, though, is I want... Yes, I do want all those things, but I also want them to get a glass of water. But, <laughs> you know, is that too much to ask? Like, <laughs> I'd be so... If, if, I, if I said to Johnny... Jenny, I'm really thirsty. And he said, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Get me a fucking glass of water. I think it's, yeah, I do think because I carried the child and gave birth to the child and breastfed the child, the child, our daughter, for the first sort of 14 months, I do feel really like I still have a lot of like, you will get me a glass of water left and um, but yeah sorry it, it, it's about yeah feeling less alone in hard circumstances and i also think that's like the key to surviving hard circumstances no matter what is like fellowship and friendship and community and all those things
2: yeah because because also at the same time like when people offer you advice that advice is always very specific to their very specific child, and I am I am a firm believer yes. in cho- children. Children, like people, are individuals. We're all individual snowflakes, and all the rest of it. So, <laughs> what worked for you, for your kid isn't necessarily going to work for mine. But what I can give you is solidarity, <laughs> because we've I've yeah. been in a similar circumstance, and that I feel like that's probably much more useful.
3: Yeah, and I think with parenting as well, it's so great to have someone who can go okay, this seems massive and I have no doubt that it feels massive and I'm not diminishing that, but I promise you this is not life or death. <laughs> and you go, yeah. oh, thank God. Yes, okay. <laughs> which, bring,
2: which brings us to, to the the bit in the book where I talk about a conversation we had where it literally was life or death because – yeah. So I it was like I, I think like a Sunday afternoon, and I was in the green room at Southbank Centre. I was doing like a, a kids, a teenagers event, and as I as I was being mic'd up, you phoned me and said, or you left me a voice. That, I can't remember. Like, and you were like,
3: I think I rang you, and I think you did pick up, and I think you were a bit like. Um, yeah, like you were nice, you chatted to me for a minute and then you were like, I am actually a bit busy I'm doing this <laughs> thing and I was like, oh shit
2: yeah, because you were like I just feel really irresponsible for, for bringing a child into the world, like, I've been reading up about climate catastrophe and I was like, no, don't read about
3: and and, and... and I think as well, your gig was to like you say in the book, it's about kind of inspiring young people <laughs> so then you have to be on stage and be like you guys have got 20 more years of this shit for me <laughs> bye! <laughs> Yeah,
2: but, I, I, you know, I took I took the call because it was like, it was early on and I thought if Josie's calling, she's either like, she either wants to <laughs> like celebrate something or shit just got real. <laughs> so like, obviously I'll take this call. Um, and shit had got very real because you were like, I, I think you, 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 you know, in that sort of weird sleep deprived stage where people get to, uh, you know, th- things, like I, I definitely thought, at times, at early stages, I'm, well, I'm just never going to sleep again. <laughs> I'm never going to fall yep. asleep ever again. This is just yep. my life. I'm going to be like that Christian Bale film. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, pretty much any Christian Bale film, you're like, <laughs> yeah. well, I wouldn't want to be that. <laughs> yes, oh, <exactly>. God. <laughs> he has,
2: he has <laughs> played a, a, a cadre of pricks, hasn't
3: he? <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's no, there's no fluffy Bale yeah that's true he's never he's
2: never done wrong rom-com has he he's never been a love interest <laughs> could <Can> you
3: imagine <laughs> do you have a this this... <laughs> this is the thing i have which is i can't forgive actors for their past roles <laughs> so like if he was in a rom-com now i would just be screaming at the screen it's american fucking psycho he <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't get forgiven it's Batman. It's Batman. <laughs> well, here's another thing: don't trust Batman because he's an American fucking psycho. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he
2: he does he does fight crime like he is, Patrick Bateman.
3: Well, it's the two paths that the billionaire can go. <laughs> yeah,
2: I can I, I can either do loads of drugs and kill people for fun, or I could do no drugs and uh, kill people because I'm haunted by the emptiness at the core of my existence.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those... And I took the path less travelled. <laughs> 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 yeah, but so, you... yeah, sorry, yes. Yeah, so I rang you, and I was freaking out about the climate uh, crisis. And um, hang on, I'm going to refer to the uh, refer to the text. <laughs>
2: Well, what, well, what's interesting about it, it what, what is interesting about this, just as like a little bit of fourth wall breaking of a of quite a meta memoir anyway, it's like I've transcribed our conversation as I remembered it. As I remembered it like three years after it happened or two years after it happened. And you might have read it and gone, I don't remember A, this happening or B, I never would have said that. So, so it's like an interesting imperfection already in in memoir writing i think
3: i think this is not verbatim <laughs> what i would say because obviously what i would say there'd be if there'd be a laugh a minute you know it'd be, it'd be, no no i this is so what is this i feel so guilty today i think what's good about this is it does have my normal rate of apologizing per paragraph which is very important that's my hobby is apologizing um but no, it does seem pretty faithful and i do remember it i remember that that conversation and I remember it was very helpful because we sort of I think this is a conversation we've had back and forth over the years about climate change as well because I think it's one of these things that it's never going to be solved it's never going to go away it's never going to be something that we don't have to worry about again so just like that every now and again it's just going to rear up and be put into focus by a new thing or, or just seem frightening in the context of like now thinking of my daughter and then being like, Oh, she'll be 15 in 10 years, uh, in 13 years, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> she'll be 15 in 13 years. That is simple maths. And um <laughs> thinking of, Oh gosh, the climate crisis in the context of her as an adolescent, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, yeah, we're always going to have to contend with this.
2: Yeah. And it, it, it boggles my mind a little bit um, to imagine what what their future is going to be and how, you know, you like, I guess we've sort of seen it in 2020, and this will be out in 2021, that we've seen it in 2020 that, like, you know, a lot of people who aren't anti-mask and anti-vaccinations are able to adapt to new circumstances and it takes a little bit of time and yeah it's not ideal but it's for you know the greater good and stuff and so i i i I have been wondering this year watching the slow rate of substantial change happening with how people live their lives like whether we will go back whether this will just be the start of a new dawn of how we how we look at our lives and i guess you know when you like I think film, film, films and TV programmes and books just make, always make you feel like there will be one single cataclysmic event and it will change the path of everything forever. Whereas actually the truth will be, it will be gradual and weird, like April, March to September was. And then in September, we sort of got the hang of it a little bit. And then...
3: Well, it's how we're dealing with the seasons now. All of us who are our age are always a little bit like oh, it's cold for this time of year, it's warm for this time of year. We all know that it's not quite right all the time. Yeah. It just does not feel like the planet we grew up on already.
2: Yeah, and also... And I... Oh, sorry. No, no, go, go on.
3: No, I was just going to say, like, I vary in my strategies for coping with it because I think, like, I like, um like, Greta Thunberg, the way she speaks about it, and she's kind of like... There's never going to be a time when it's not worth fighting for this, even if it's incremental, even if it's small, even if it feels hopeless, even if it literally is hopeless, it's still worth doing the work and it's still important to fight. And any changes that are possible will be beneficial. And I think that's really important. But I also think with, like, I do sometimes do mental exercises in pessimism so that I can say to myself, do you know what, like, the most important thing for me is human beings being humane and kind to each other and enjoying their lives as best they can. Yeah. And like, I was thinking a lot recently about how a lot of the worst case scenario things, like you say, that the ideas of like cataclysmic events, if I sit there and think about it, I'm like, Oh God, imagine living in a desert that was overheating. And I'm like, people are already doing that. Imagine having to live on a toxic waste dump. People are already doing that. And like, imagine you know, not having proper food. People are already doing that, and like, not to sugarcoat things that are horrific, but I am—I have to be reminded that human beings are like so powerfully resilient. And if there are things that are out of our control, that do get worse, we will still find joy and love and happiness in it. And I—I I do think life is always better than not life. I just read a book that I think you would really love in like very much in tandem with your book actually called uh, something it's by Tom Wyman. But I, he just sent it to me. It just said book Tom, proof.
2: Tom, Tom, my man,
3: <laughs> Tom, my man, Tom Wyman is a philosopher. I think it's called an infinite source of hope, infinitely full of hope. But he talks about how there are these philosophers who are like, no one should have kids because of the planet. And, and their philosophy boils down to pain always outweighs happiness, and suffering is always worse than pain, than happiness, and therefore humanity should not bother and I'm like, you guys just haven't lived like literally a rightly timed chocolate bar outweighs all like sadnesses of my life, but also <laughs> like, for pain for who that you know that
2: that's what a, do you mean like I always think it's very easy for the 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 moral philosophers of our time, the Jordan Petersons of our time, to go. You know, pain and suffering is the way forward, and we just have to get used to it. And then I just think your insane meat diet aside, like what pain and suffering have you had? You know, that's all, that. Not...
3: Prick's life was so easy; he had to bring himself to the point of <laughs> yeah. massive illness by eating only raw beef and salt. It's, it's, it's bonkers, and
2: the thing that I the thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is how much time i waste worrying about the people who waste their time um getting angry about how people self identify you know the people who are like ooh it's got pronouns yeah. in their bio <laughs> what a prick and they yeah. get so, so
3: we know they're not to be trusted and mm. then they get so angry yeah. about
2: strangers on the internet who like and and, and i i know this is a facile <laughs> comparison but you know, if you ever met someone called, like, Nicholas, and you go, "All oh, right, Nick, and they're like, no, no, it's Nicholas, not Nick, it's all just Nicholas, you'd just go, all right, Nicholas, you know, you'd sort of respect it, and maybe, like, talk about them behind their back, but people, like, people on Twitter get so angry about it, and I find myself getting angry about them, because I guess, this, I mean, this is a thing, that feels... That anger, for me, feels controllable. I can control anger at, like, idiots on the internet, whereas I can't control my anger at how fucked the planet is. That, to me, feels too big. And so, like... That's so interesting. And and, and I, I worry that, like, I just... I feel so angry about things at the moment that I've just got to find um, ways that it can come out that I can Appropriate manage. outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think climate change... Our generation will bear it and uh, compute it in different ways to people ten years younger, people ten years younger than that. And in some ways, I feel that my daughter is in a no, not a, is in a position that means that she will approach it differently to me. She won't be going ah. She'll be going right. Okay, here we all are. We're, we're here. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. And I think we're in this very weird place of like one foot in each camp yeah. The people older than us don't take it seriously on the whole obviously some people really do and people younger than us are stuck with it more and we remember when people didn't and we remember when things were different as well like we lived pre-internet
2: yeah we are we are a weird crossover generation because we live yeah. we remember pre-internet we went we were at sc- we would pro- because you're a couple of years younger than me we Sorry, 10, 15 years younger than me. Uh,
3: um, <laughs> Thank but, you. Yeah, but we. we you... Yeah, I don't get this conversation because I'm Gen Z. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we re- we remember our peers as teenagers using gay as an insult and it being, mm. uh, you know, not long. Well,
3: Section 28?
2: Yeah, yeah, not long Our since generation
3: it... was fucked over by Section 28.
2: Yeah, yeah. And. Sorry. Um, and, you know, all of that, all of that stuff that we remember, that we remember the world being fundamentally different. But for, mm-hmm. for me, there wasn't like a switch on where suddenly um, you realised how, how, um, like, how much our lives are dictated by the Internet now and how. So, like, remembering how different the world was, like, I don't remember, like, this c- cataclysmic shift. I just, it, it's all, all just felt quite yeah. gradual and and normalized and yes. and so that's what's really worried me about you know the last four years where you kind of see this slide backwards towards the fascist end of right-wing values yeah, yeah, and yeah. how normal it is and and everything's
3: uh, in relation to our children because we're thinking about the world for them yeah and we're worrying for them
2: but you know pe- people are people are always like oh well, well you know like you you live in you live in a bubble on Twitter. That's not real life. But I, I, I often think that actually agendas are set on Twitter and then pulled out into the wider world. And so actually Twitter is very influential mm-hmm. in setting the news agenda.
3: Also, I wish I lived in a fucking bubble on Twitter. I wish nobody bothered me. I wish <laughs> yes. I only saw people I like. If people think that I live in a bubble on the internet, like the internet is the place I have been... Real life is beautiful compared to the internet. I don't know, that's probably a bit of a silly thing to say, but you know what I'm saying. I, I think I have things that I'm frightened of, and I have things that sometimes I feel pessimistic about, and I often have to think of myself think to myself, like, even when I can't be optimistic, I can still be positive about people and hopeful about people in general. So even when I do think okay we have collectively as a species fucked it it's worse than it was i always still manage to go but i don't know where what people are going to come up with and i trust human nature and i trust being around other people and i trust the wonderful buoyancy that is each new generation and their ideas so, so that's that, how i keep myself optimistic.
2: yeah and, that, and that's really that's really lovely and i guess when it comes to how you raise your kid because like like me, you will have had the same thing where you like you look at your phone to kind of alleviate you from the the drudgery of childcare, and sure. then on the on your phone, people are either telling you how amazing you are or calling you whatever horrific
3: <laughs> horrific shit horrific yeah.
2: shit, and then you then go, why am I doing this? I need to pull myself back into the room, and then you're in the room, and. But then you've got the stuff that's going on in, on yeah. your phone in your head and, and and that switch between the two things is something that I've always really struggled with. Like, is, you know, the, this thing that I'm constantly trying to work on is like how to be present, but also and, and, and I guess have a healthy relationship with social media.
3: But also you want to be present, but you also want to be real. About the world, about the nature of the world. Yes, I really remember two instances. One, when my baby was tiny and I was playing her Happy by Pharrell Williams, because it is on a list of baby bangers. She loves it. She loved it. She doesn't now. She's a different person now. But um, I used to like, play that.
2: Like the song Get Lucky, it does exactly what it says in the song title. <laughs> yeah, the <best> thing. <laughs>
3: Sorry, sorry. <laughs> No, I love it. But she, So I played happy for her. And I was trying to cheer her up and dancing around as she was stopping crying. And at the same time, absent-mindedly, I was reading a news article on my phone about the melting permafrost. And I really remember in that moment, like having to try and sustain outwardly the veneer of being fun. And inwardly, my whole being was just collapsing because I was like this... Oh, my God, like, this is the truth. And and I think the thing that I'm finding hard to bear and I worry that I'm going to be a shit mum in the future is that I am so disillusioned with politicians. I am so completely without faith in the systems that we have to govern us and the people who are supposed to be dealing with these problems. And so I worry that I'm just going to end up this like miserable person who's like, they're all the same, they have ruined it. And my daughter will be like, we've got to try and do something. <laughs> um, but then the second time is, I remember sitting on this carpet here, and I was playing with my daughter, and exactly, I took a cheeky look at the phone because it was locked down, and I was just so all over the shop, I was panicking, and somebody was being rude to me. And I was so incensed by it, it flared me up. And even though I thought I was suppressing that feeling, my daughter was just looking at me really freaked out. Because to her, we'd been playing, I looked away, suddenly I was in a different mood. Terrifying. And that was what really made me feel like,
2: oh. It's only recently as my, my kids have got older that things have got less immediate to them. They're able to pinpoint emotions because of things that might have happened in the past. Whereas like when wow. they're quite young, like everything is in the moment. So if you're playing, you, you look at a text message where someone says, or like a notification where someone says something horrible to you mm-hmm. and that changes your mood. Like they don't understand that outside of the concept, out uh, uh, of the context of the present, their present day or that that present moment sorry um but you know you and your partner are both comedians and there's something about play that you know there's something about about play that I guess is so in like ingrained into both of your styles of comedy and so I wonder I wonder if you like how how much of that play goes into like when you're with your kids because
3: yeah I think a lot of it you know you, but you guys are playful. I've seen you guys be playful parents as well. I, I think it just brings out the kid in everyone a bit. Like, definitely. I do playful stuff with her all the time. I love uh, doing voices. I love doing characters. I love um, just seeing where it takes us and responding to her stuff. I, I've recently got into, while she's falling asleep, making her up stories. Um, partly just because I want to see almost how boring I can make them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 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 it will literally be because she wants to hear stories about Peppa Pig. So I'll be like, Peppa asked mummy if she could have a biscuit. Mummy, can I have a biscuit, please? You'll have to ask Daddy Pig. So Peppa went to ask Daddy Pig and that'll last for like 10 minutes of like (laughs) nothing. And I just want to see, like, yeah, I, I play a lot for myself with it. Yeah, I find that Having my daughter really does encourage a certain type of playfulness. And a certain, so for me, I I just found out I have ADHD, which, pardon me, makes so much sense in so many other aspects of my life. But most often with my daughter, I find it almost easier to be very present because I do love her so much and it's so instantly playful and rewarding that it just, my brain's like, great, I'm in. Um, so it's quite good here's the thing I don't know but this is dragging us out of a nice space into a scary one (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to talk to my daughter about climate change and this is something you've like thought of and addressed and like is it something you've started so far?
2: Yeah there are loads of really good books about it and you know what you know there's there's been a couple of ones that we've got recently where animals have to come and live in my house or like in the narrator's house because of things that have happened in their homeland well i think one of them specifically a refugee like a refugee allegory and the other one is a climate change allegory and um and both of them at the end have like really really practical things that you know your you and your kid can do and also the messaging is there for my eldest kid at school so she brings that back into the house and she kind of monitors how we are in the house and so i think they are both aware of it but they're aware of it in a safe way do you know what i mean like they don't know the full horror of it because i guess um they haven't they haven't quite conceptualized the world a world bigger than this house or bigger than our part of the city that we live in bigger than our you know for them london where where you know my family is it feels like another world it feels like another country like for them when i go to london it could be that you know as the same as like when i've had to go to india or to to america for various things and because they don't have that sense of scale i think you know the the stuff that we do about you know switching lights off when we're not using things and um trying to reuse things as much as we can and recycling and, and all the rest of it. That is like the safe way of doing it, but they haven't got to the really scary
3: stuff yet. Um, Do you know what does make me sad is I've suddenly, watching Peppa Pig reminded me that my mum used to faithfully recycle all her bottles at the bottle bank, used to go down to the bottle bank and recycle all the bottles. And like they were definitely at my primary school when I was a kid, there were displays about the greenhouse effect and about ecology. And it does truly, truly break my heart to think about all of that missed opportunity from government that actually people on the ground, not so much as in the past five years, but, you know, for a good 30 years, people on the ground have been like, we have got to save the planet, you know? And it. I, I think what's hardest for our generation is bearing all of that knowledge of like as we were growing up and as we came of age we were being so catastrophically let down by the world but and so at least like for them the damage is done yeah, well, the the weird thing is like <laughs> no, that's not
2: what I feel. The weird thing is like we we learnt about the greenhouse effect in school. Like when was I learning about it? Like nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety one, or 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 mm. something. We learnt about it like over twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Do you
3: ago. know what? Do you know what I think? Fucked up, fucked us up. You know there was the hole in the ozone layer and they fixed it. I reckon everyone else was just like, great, that's that sorted like lots of people were acted like that
2: this is where i think like you know there is climate catastrophe and there's environmental racism as well because like the problems were just moved out of the uk like the outsourcing that went to different parts of the world and like how that mass production and those factories and stuff and all all of that
3: and literally shipping rubbish shipping rubbish and recycling away yeah
2: yeah And so, and so it's literally like, you know, we've been thinking about this stuff for like 30 years and um, it's probably our peers, like people I went to school with who are like fucking climate change deniers and working in government to, hold on. This happens every single night. They know. Someone goes past my window just listening to music on their phone. No, no headphones, <laughs> and I've never seen them. But it's like it's like a weird. Um,
3: that's that's a very regular but very antisocial person.
2: Yeah. yeah,
3: like they keep habits, but they can't keep quiet. <laughs> there's, there's people. I live by the canal, well the river technically. But there's people who cycle up and down with what I like to call the mobile disco where they play like such loud music and they just spend all day like on it in that way it's a lifestyle i never understand
2: yeah there's there's a guy who lives because i live in bristol there's there's an ex raver who does a lot of delivery who has like a mobile disco (laughs) on his delivery bike and it's playing whatever time he's delivering
3: (laughs) (laughs) i respect it Do
2: and the thing is like he's in a city so he probably is just like it's just city living but like when your neighbor's getting a pizza at 11 11 pm at night oh, no, and no. there's a rave outside your window you're like dude come on come on um i can't remember what i was saying i was basically basically like i i just feel like we've been talking about climate change for so fucking long that to to the the realization that we pushed it past the point of no return even with knowing what we knew and even to be honest, probably being complicit in a way that we didn't understand because like, as you know, convenience, convenience has like contributed so much to this, right? Like the ability to have like quickly made up t-shirts of your favorite bands and, Mm -hmm. and they'd Mm -hmm. be like two quid and in Primark and, and stuff like that. And like, whatever, like, you know, how everything, I know. Yeah. You know you want you you want a, you want a fucking mango in December it's going to come in plastic you know like all of the, all yeah. of that stuff that I'm complicit in and I've kind of got to own up to my kids at some point and go yeah I was partly responsible I tried my best I like separated all my recycling and I tried my best to not at 11 p.m. at night when I'm bored at home during a global pandemic scrolling through the internet just buy shit I didn't need <laughs> like but I did you
0: know
3: it's hard it's hard because we know who the companies are that are genuinely most responsible for these things we know the decisions that were made by governments at strategic times to fuck fuck the planet over in the states you know like and yes we do all have personal responsibility and yes we can try as hard as we can and that is really important but The problem I have, I think, is that I'm not going to really be able to not say to my children, the demand for revolutionary action is here. The fascists are upon us. And, you know, I don't want them to have to be like that. (laughs) Like, my most nervous things are, I feel like I fought as hard as I possibly could for the last two elections to try and overturn a pretty authoritarian government. And I lost... And I don't know what to do next on a grand scale. But luckily as well, the best thing about activism is it's never just down to you, is it? Except for Greta Thunberg, she's got to keep going. But like (laughs) on the whole, no, there are always other people you can look around and be like, okay, they're inspiring. I can help them. This person's doing this. So I don't know. What's it... um, Resignation and cynicism are the things that we must not fall into, no matter what.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Whenever she asks me to explain stuff, I'm very quick, like, it's almost like I'm performing to a hidden audience in the room, like, I, I, and so, like my my jadedness and my cynicism might end up in that explanation. She might she might literally ask like, "Why does that man not have a house?" And I might go, "Oh, fucking government housing crisis!" Like, uh, you know, like constantly check myself so that I'm explaining the world to her that's free of my own shit. And I find yeah, that and I yeah. find that really hard. And, I, and I've also noticed that, like, you know, my my dynamic with me and my sisters. Is just to take the absolute piss out of each other at all times. Like our relationship is just rinsing each other. You know, it's literally like, "Hey guys, oh oh, oh it's guys, is it? You know, oh, oh it's <laughs> hey, is it? You know, like what? Yeah. You know, whatever. whatever what, you you just find any any chink in the armor and you'll take it down. And yeah. um, I've noticed I just I I was trying to do that with my kids. Like I was being sarcastic with them, or I was being like. You know when you like tell a dumb lie like, um, I, I can't th- I can't I can't think of an example like oh daddy you're going to the toilet no I'm getting into my spaceship are you really you know like <laughs> and I've been really like watching myself because I feel like they both feed into the same sort of cynicism that I feel about the world and actually ensuring that I'm looking at the world through their eyes means that I can explain the world to them better.
3: Yes, completely, and also. It's so rare and so beautiful. Like, even the difference between my two-year-old daughter and my six-year-old niece, as to where they are in terms of developing a certain worldly wisdom is so much for me that it, like, hurts me. <laughs> like, it's it, I, I keep having to say to myself, I'm only going to have a two-year-old for another six months. And it is so beautiful to be around someone who just takes everything as it is and takes everyone as it is and is so excited and so thrilled by small things and so engaged with the world and connected to it in that way. And, yeah, like, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm so fucking over-earnest that I worry I'm too earnest. I worry that my daughter will be like me, which is, like... I, like, I do, like... There are some people that I really, like, mucking around with, but, like, when friends make, like, a harsh joke to me, I'm always a bit be like... <laughs> It does hurt a bit, but I need to just grow up a little bit. You know? <laughs> and that's friends, you know. I'm so sensitive. And so I I feel like I'm in, it, 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 coming the other way where I need to just try and relax enough. If I see someone say something offhand to her or something, like another kid, I have to just be like, no, no, she's resilient. It's okay. But, yeah, it's definitely... But I suppose, again, when we think about climate change, that's what's so heartbreaking is they're so in tune with nature in a very beautiful way they're very sort of will sit and examine a leaf like they were mushrooms or we will like talk to the ants you know it will treat everything around them like it's will cuddle trees and stuff so that can be heartbreaking but yeah i think it is important and it's important for us as adults because that's such a beautiful relief for us it's a relief for you not to have to feel cynicism and to let yourself be your little inner child for a bit without sounding too wanky, but do you know what I mean, like just to let yourself come like falteringly out of your shield of armor and be like, Yes, the apple does look like it's smiling at us you know
2: <laughs> and and also like you know your your kids end up mirroring your own worries and anxieties, so yeah. if you express fear about climbing up a tree. Then they will automatically express that fear in some some way as well. I remember remember walking along along a like a beach promenade once, and my my eldest kid just bent down and picked something up and walked over and plopped it in over the side into the sea. And I realised as she was walking over that she was holding a crab. I was, and I was like <laughs> what are you like like be careful but she had just seen this crab that got stranded on the promenade she was worried it was going to get trodden on and with no fear she she picked it up and like returned it to the sea and and that it, it kind of taught me a lesson about how kids kids don't kids don't necessarily see fear until you show them that it's something to be fearful of and you know, currently my my both my kids are really scared of wolves because wolves are so prominent in like cartoons and you know Disney and like you know wolves are like the big source of fear, and and so they don't have any like practical need to be scared of wolves because we don't live in the no. the Black Forest or anything. But,
3: but. that's the other thing: we can't shield them from like other people's weird bullshit that's gonna just map onto them that is like i feel so desperate to protect her from everything yeah except the film moana which is genuinely i'm so i feel like it's coming to my life from heaven because it's a (laughs) disney princess film that i don't mind that i think is feminist where the baddie is just a big woman who's angry and needs a cuddle (laughs) The the big woman's angry. She just needs a cuddle. It's teaching her that when I'm angry, I just need a cuddle. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of things I want to protect her from in that way and not have her influenced by. But this is interesting. When I was a kid, I was terrified of nuclear war. And I believed... And this is where I was a child and did not understand these things. I believe there would be a nuclear war that I would be conscripted into fighting, (laughs) even though I was a seven-year-old girl.
2: Fighting for or against? Or like...
3: Oh, in the the throng. Yeah. In the mushroom cloud. (laughs) So this is why, the reason I brought this up, that was such a deep fear of mine. And I don't know whether it came via my parents or via the world around me. Right. And so, in some ways, it's so brutal to know we can't protect them from the overarching discourse and what that may or may not do to them. I do know that my mum, when I was two or three, used to make me say intercontinental ballistic missile. And I don't think that helped. Isn't that like a grim 80s parent joke is, to be like say intercontinental ballistic missile tiny toddler? <laughs>
2: is that is that before you do your uh, your debate your like on school like warm up exercises In- interstellar on intercontinental ballistic missile Yeah, it does exercise your mouth. Maybe she was just prepping you for for Your, my
3: teenage debating career.
2: Yeah, stop the nuclear, stop the nuclear war. I do not want this intercontinental ballistic missile <laughs> to be launched.
3: Um, this house believes.
2: <laughs> um, God, yeah, that that house still believes it. They're still they're still doing de- this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: okay, so listen, that fucking house, that house is too whimsical and too happy to entertain devil's advocates
2: and that house opens out onto a marketplace of ideas. Um, so
3: j- just just to finish up. I'm sorry I've been so rangy. I love talking.
2: We we <laughs> I've had a great time. We've covered a lot too. of ground. Every now and then we've we've gone no we need to bring it back to climate change because that was the 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 topic that we looted as potential
3: discussion. Okay, this is my this is my short summary about should we be afraid? I don't know whether fear is helpful, but we should probably appreciate the fact that we have been let down massively by government and that ordinary people are having are being asked of a lot does that mean it's a bad idea to have kids no fucking way it's always a wonderful idea to have kids and we need joy and we need new people to solve problems and it's it's wonderful right uh there we go yeah
2: that that is like that is the message that i want to go out on keep banging guys keep Keep banging and
3: banging (laughs) that. Lads, lasses, and anyone who's (laughs) neither of those, you fuck away, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck away. And think of your aunt and and uncle over here just giving you a a, a cheerful wink. Yeah.
2: You know, treat every day like it's Tuesday afternoon during a pandemic. (laughs) And Hmm. bang away. But I do also think...
3: All of these things do come down to... Oh, I just heard that as I was speaking. And <laughs> you know, I'm proud of you. But I, <laughs> I do feel like that some of this is going to boil down to who, who a person is and what temperament they have. And I will genuinely always be someone for whom hope springs eternal and always be someone who is hoping for better and, and wanting there to be better. And on top of that, I will always be someone who in general... Has good vibes about people, but bad vibes about power.
2: I, I really feel like if there was a n- nuclear war tomorrow, then we'd be we would be the perfect, you know, buddy cop, like two different two different people. Because you'd be the what the hopeful one, who just really wants to keep everyone going, and I'd be the really jaded one, going, "Well, what's the point? You know, we're all gonna die. <laughs> uh,
3: Shall we? Shall we just? Shall we just give up now?" And you'll be like, But also, exactly, there are some people <laughs> in the nineties who were miserable in the nineties. They were in the nineties. What you have to worry about in the nineties? You know? And there's gonna be people who are miserable now. It's just how it is. What, so what were they miserable at in
2: the nineties? How their fantasy Yeah, they were just kinda of bored, I think. How their fantasy football team was doing what whether whether the oasis b-side was going to have noel or liam on lead vote i don't i I don't know (laughs) okay just to to finish it what it has if you uh, one that you can share and not one that is uh uh, potentially going to lead to a future prosecution but what 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 has been your biggest parenting fail
3: oh my biggest parenting fail oh let me think um oh god
2: um my my mine and I don't think I've even shared this on the podcast yet. Mine it was I was at the top of the stairs holding my baby tweeting. Oh, it's a great start. Yeah, <laughs> tweeting and I slipped on um a library book. You know library books have those like dust yeah. dust covers, a very slippery one, and I, and I dropped her out of my hands, but I managed to <sighs> catch her just before her head smashed against the stairs. And oh. It was. Uh, I, pro- I might even edit this out because just to <laughs> no, just to look on you your face, her. I did catch her.
3: No, but... that's the fear. That's the fear. It's yeah. not a judgment. It's fear on your behalf. You caught her. There's a thing called moral luck. You know, yeah. if if the worst had happened, you'd have been unlucky, and it would have seemed worse than it was. But the best happened, so therefore, it's all alright. <laughs> Tweet
2: away, my friend. Tweet away at the top of the stairs, <laughs> halfway Fair. up the stairs. No harm, no foul. (laughs) Double jeopardy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think my most parenting fail, oh, it will be. So my daughter woke up every 45 minutes for about six months. And you'll remember because you were my dear friend who helped me through it and sort of looked after me a bit through it. And um, there was one time when I do remember it really got to me and just putting the baby down in the sort of nest cot thing. And just sort of turning the other way and just howling. Just like, ah! like the most primal, like, and, and oh, and hitting. She was not on the bed. She was on a couch and I was facing away from her, but hitting the side of the bed, like, why, God, why? And I think that was definitely my lowest point, And it did feel like failing. But I mean, mine are more like insidious. Mine are like, she watches too much TV all the time.
2: What was the most useless bit of advice that you ever got?
3: Oh, wow. Um, uh, if you're calm, they'll be calm. If you're just a calm person. That's so rubbish. If, if you, listen, the calmer you are, the more they'll sleep. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something for free. Calmness did not fix silent fucking reflux, okay? Me being calm didn't chill that out, All right, so, Calmer you are. That was fucking, I was calm. That is rubbish.
2: <laughs> that is so rubbish oh yeah, yeah that was real it, yeah i think one of my ones was sleep when the baby sleeps no
3: like <gasps> no oh, how how and also what sleep for 20 minutes great in 20 with the baby on you in that in that 20 minutes the baby's asleep
2: i could have a shit by myself i could have a shower i could yeah. maybe wash some have a
3: cup of tea wash, and it'll be
2: hot wash some dishes like
3: oh yeah yeah, that's the only time you've got to do literally everything else. <laughs> yeah,
2: such rubbish advice. Um, I, I guess it only really works for um, people who have nannies to, or butlers or something. I, I
3: don't know. Listen, sleep when the butler sleeps, <laughs> yes, sleep okay? That. Take your lead from the staff. If the <laughs> staff are sleeping, get down, get some shut-eye. Yeah.
2: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Josie. I feel a lot karma about impending climate catastrophe and climate collapse because let's just fill the internet with more stuff
3: we're all already on this earth we don't want to live in children of men where there's no young people whatsoever and i don't know we just all keep trying and we just all keep trying to do the best we can under difficult circumstances (laughs) (laughs) look we're gonna have a laugh no matter what so don't worry about it have a laugh (laughs) i don't know i don't know what to say sometimes i think it's worth acknowledging when things are overwhelming and feeling that grief but also feeling the multitude of other feelings and still trying to be useful and do what you can thank you josie thanks so much Bye. That's all right. I'm sorry to be all
2: over the place. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast over the last 16 weeks. I hope it's been a comfort for you. Thank you to all of my listeners, especially those who have got in touch. It means the world to me. Thank you to all of my guests, all 16 of you. You've been amazing. To Bluebird, thank you for the support, especially my editor, <laughs> Carol. Carol, <laughs> she listens to this and she's going to be like, Who is Carol? Carol, my publicist, Jess, and my marketing manager, Sean. Thank you to ACAST, especially to Clarissa and John for the additional support. So I'm taking a month break. I will be back with season two at the end of May. And it's going to be just as good. I've started recording some of those episodes already. So I can tell you that season two will feature Shobna Gulati, Sarah Collins, Andy Oliver, Lenny Henry, Ben Bailey-Smith, and many, many more to come. Keep subscribed. Keep your eyes on the feed. Leave a review. Buy the book. See you in season two. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye.
0: Brown baby, I
2: am brown baby. Yes, I am, I am. Silly brown
0: baby. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion
2: without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.